Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. This is Marty Turco, and you're listening to Missing Curfew. Fella. My man. How we doing, buddy? Good, bud. Mondays. Mondays, Mondays. Mondays, Mondays, Mondays. Um, the Western Conference rolls along here. Um, and you did a great job. Why not Marty Turco, right? We've talked about Ottinger being unbelievable. Um, so we got Marty Turco coming at you. Yeah. This guy's well, uh, talking about Dallas being unbelievable. What a yeah. I mean, what a city. Uh, you've obviously a great place to go in. Always and play. wanted to play there. I mean, you almost did. we haven't gone. I tried. You tried. I wore number 20s for Alex Steen. I went in there. I gave it everything I had. Jim Nil. I, I mean, I don't know what else I had to do for you, but just to give me a couple ex- more exhibition games would have been nice. I can't believe he set you down after you scored that goal in Colorado. Oh, I was just, in the men's grill watching it. There was two, two big things there. It was A, put me with some NHL players. Like I had to play with all the minor league guys. Yeah. Okay, but I'll take it. I, mean, I missed the whole year. And then two, like... <laughs> Ah, uh, fuck. I was buttoned up in that fucking place. I, I, I kept it clean. Did I was, you? Yes. You don't have to lie to me, bro. I did. You can be honest with me. As legit, I wanted that job more than anything. Well, I know. Yeah, I wanted the job in Edmonton more than that, but but I, I really would have enjoyed a year with uh, with the Dallas Stars and, you know, being around Billy Quinn and our boy Younger and yeah. all the, you know, fucking seeing Fids and Marty Turco and Morrow at the rink every day. It was nice. I think it's a city that every NHL player would have on their list of places to play, right? There's not one guy, if you took the 750 guys in the league, I don't know when many guys would would have took the 750 grand too. (laughs) I didn't. Me too. It didn't matter what the, you know, just give me entry level. I'd even go play in the minors for a bit. Well, it was Austin. You should have. Well, I didn't even get the offer. Wow. I know. It's all coming out. Here. Austin was a great place. I mean, I, that's another great city. I, I now know that. Not I like Dallas better, but Austin is is fun too. So, um, no, no but like, about me. Here. Like you said, though, like great fans, <laughs> great fans. Been a great hockey city. You yeah. know, you go back in the day, the reunion arena, Mikey Moe and the boys, and playing against the Avalanche, and I think they won a cup in what ninety eight. Yeah, can someone Google that for me, Binger? I should know that, but. I mean, they, listen, they've had some good runs. The Stanley Cup, yeah, the, the Hitchcock, Dallas, you know, the Dallas Stars, Brett Hall scoring the goal with his foot in the crease to win the Holly, you know, was the toe in the crease, was Holly, the or not? The was the toe in the right? crease? They, 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 the refs counted it, so. What year did they win it, Banger? 98. Was it 98? Feels like 98. Let's just say 98. Oh, that was, so, so 99 or 2000. 99 2000. up, dog. There they won go. it in 99. In the 98, 99 I believe so. There when center go. Joe Noondike won the Conn Smythe as the most valuable player for the playoffs. They beat the old Buffalo Sabres in those red and black yeah. unis. Swept them, right? Swept oh, them yeah. right out of there. Yes, boy. Uh, so anyways, great job getting Turks here. Uh, I'm going to ask him some stuff about Ottinger and just playing the puck. So here you go, Marty Turco. Come, Come on, man. You. 
Welcome back to Mr. Curfew. Updog Vegas, all stars rolls on here. We thought who better than uh, one of the best all-time goaltenders and by far this guy playing the puck. I wish I was lucky. I'm going to ask you about Mike Smith, but uh, Marty Turco, Turks, thanks for joining the boys at Mr. Curfew. Yeah, thanks, Obi. Happy, how we doing? Things are good. Things are good. Golf games, uh, yeah, not too perfect, um, <laughs> but uh, that's because we're putting in a lot of work here in the studio. You know, I'm sure you yeah. know the same thing here. You're at the office. How's uh, what's the day in the life of Marty Turco right now? Um, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll it, it changes daily, but uh, I've been I've been I've been to most games. Uh, was in Vegas this weekend, um, but here at the office, it's you know just trying to. Check the check the emails and say, "Hey, I'll get back to you in the playoffs." Over <laughs> <laughs> the, the flagged emails is starting to starting to pile up, and you know, as you know, it's golf season, it's summertime, and uh, I'd love to get back to Canada for at least a couple of weeks. But uh, right now, it's just you know, winning, winning, and playoff runs really help all facets of our business, especially the foundation. We're from the fifty fifty to put more money in the bank, more visibility, the great work that uh, my team does around. This Metroplex around the state has been good. So uh, it's good to get back in here today. It's reintroduced myself to some people and uh, get ready for a big game tonight. How is the golf game, Turks? He's been a little bit modest. He hits it like 330, you know, bombs it down the middle. What's your handicap? What's your game like? Or you seem like you might be a steady Eddie guy for me. Fairways and greens, and then you probably got nice hands after watching you play the puck all those years. Um, decent assessment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't I don't putter like Morrow. I'm a, usually a decent putter, usually better than average. He's he's so good. He's been clipping me lately. Uh but short game's tidy, yeah. I'm I'm never out of a hole with my wedges. Um I I, I just got my hip replaced eleven weeks ago today, and so that's been so it's been better. I can start to turn on and I'm getting a little more mobility. Uh I'll never be twenty two again, but I think I could swing it like I was twenty eight. Um <laughs> So, you know, the distance is almost there. I'm not trying to swing it hard, but, uh, you know, and your comment about Uppy, I didn't know him and Modesty were in the Yeah, I know. Vocabulary, Modesty, there's a few things that I don't quite uh, excel at. But, um, <clears throat> no, and who's got a better gig than Morrow right now? I hope his short game's good. Yeah. Right? I mean... He he plays 300 rounds a year. I like, know he does. 300? My back hurts. At about, two, about, uh, at, yeah. at about two that are sober rounds, too. I'm sure he's <laughs> he, he's got to have a little swing juice in there. But no one's got to – his game is tight, I got to say. I was out at Driftwood with him in Austin maybe a month ago, and uh, it's hard to keep up to a guy that just lives on the golf course. I'm like, fuck. I yeah. guess I got two young kids now, and his kids are out, uh, out of the house. And I'm like, man. Yeah. yeah. That's the difference yeah. right there. We, we, both, we both have kids in college. He's got one i got two the twins are my boy's age so we're still got a little runway left at home but his game is he just got this dead arm whole winging hook you know he hits his hybrid i'm like why you even hit your driver most of the time it just thing goes to 80 and uh but he is good he, he's got the best sock tan around I, you know <laughs> we were roommates for a night in vegas he needs to tan a little more naked a few times uh, a, little, a little white in certain areas uh, but he's good. He's, he's fun to play with. But yeah, it's uh, you, you, your back hurts thinking of it. My liver hurts thinking of it. <laughs> I gotta be honest. But when I played against Mo, I had some good battles with him. So I met him at Gaza Ranch. It was probably the per perfect place to meet him at the tree bar in Gaza Ranch. And I was kind of intimidated. Like, fuck this guy. We used to chirp a lot. And then I met him right away. And he was an unbelievable guy. But have you been up to Gaza mm -hmm. with him? Because his setup there 
his pad and everything he's got up there is NHL. Uh, it definitely is. The um, I played in a couple of member guests with him. I played the first, I think his first one, and so the amenities weren't rolling yet. The course was in. The course is gorgeous. It's yeah. one of their best properties that I've been to, and and so we we had a good time. And uh, that was the first time I had a brown bag of this tequila called Casamigos. So um, <laughs> I don't remember the whole thing, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And we played we had a nine hole match against Freddie Couples. So um, and it couldn't have got much better. We also played Pat Perez. We slapped him around, but Freddie laid his boots to BMO and I, and he wasn't as good as he is now, um, but that was well on his way. But I think Gaza Ranch is fabulous. And his gig working with Discovery, I mean, it's such a you know behemoth company. Their courses, their properties are just fun. So he, he does. He, he has a good gig, but um, I, I usually chirp him, but I'll give him props on this one. He does work hard. He's uh, he, he plays good golf. He entertains really well. He, they got a good spot there, Driftwood, and looks like they got another one coming here in North Texas and the Fort Worth area. So um, I'll be able to I'll, I'll get to see him more, which is at least nice for me, selfishly. Freddie Couples just won our club championship oh this weekend. God, he, yeah, he he, uh, he the took boys, down Stu I mean, Hagelstad. Yeah, they right, shot like they, fucking ten under in that? three rounds or something. Like greens are a little soft right now, Big Canyon, <laughs> but still like. 10 under in three rounds or something? Like I saw kidding? that email come through yesterday. I didn't show up to the club this weekend. Obviously, we were yeah. doing our thing. And I'm like, wow, how, how does a normal guy kind of go in and compete? What are the net prizes available? There, there, is, a net, there, is, a, there <laughs> is a net division, too. There is a net division, too. But, I mean, Freddie, when I first time I played him, Turks, like, his swing, uh, like how, how smooth it is, but when he, like, how much speed he generates. Yeah. The, so the, First hole, Gaza is like a downhole, and you try to hit it yeah. 100 yards out. And and I had a driver, you know, hit it pretty solid, and Freddie's one yard away from me. And then the second hole is the rip it over the bunker, par five, right? And and uh, I hit, I put the same swing on it, and always looks like his is the same swing every time. But I get up there, and he's 35 yards ahead of me. I was like, <laughs> okay, I've heard about the other gear, I never seen it until now, and uh, it was putting me right back in my place. And I think that probably did us in right there and it was like we can't hang with this guy yeah first time we played with first time we played with that big kid and we showed up they're like you're playing with couples and i was like i don't know i'm I'm like a nine handicap now i was probably at 12 or 13 then i'm like i got no business playing with freddie but i I gotta take advantage of it so we're playing with him he's a great guy and he he does like to ride in the cart because his back so at one point he's on the back of the cart doing like the Captain Morgan thing, and I'm like, "Uppy, uppy! Look how cool Freddie looks right now! Look how cool Freddie looks!" <laughs> he's like staring like, into the trees. Staring into the trees like Captain Morgan. I'm like, "Look how cool he looks!" Trying up. to understand the wind and the sun. <laughs> he's just, you know, I'm like, "Well, what's going on, in that guy's?" No, well, I, I know what's going on. In his hair. His hair is perfect. Yeah. What's going on in that mind? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Talented. Uh, Marty, I just want to bring back uh, the Dallas Stars, the organization. You've been there. It's probably 20 plus years now you've been part of the organization your transition into you know the the president of the charity work and then just the competitiveness that you bring to you know to the office and just what that's like and then you know this playoff drive for you guys is everyone kind of in that like game mode right now or they is this more of a time to enjoy all the hard work that went into the season or are you guys like all just ramped up ready for the next game like as a player would be yeah there's a lot of work to do in between um, as you can imagine, tonight we went out and got a new light show, you know, that we paid handsomely for and just trying to encourage our fans. Hey, you've been great. Get there early tonight. Got a little show for you. Um, you know, my phone's going off right now, like people looking for tickets. So. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't uh, change. Those are, try, to, try to strategically use them, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay, I, I, got a beer, I got a beer business. I got to raise money. And, 
you know, we got all this, all the fun stuff, but it is competitively getting a chance to go to the game and sit with, you know, Mr. Glarty or our CEO, Brad Alberts, and uh, a lot of our top sponsors, different suites. I'll bounce around. It is, you're just trying to get through this because this is, this, this is an opportunity for our organization because, you know, we haven't had this in a while. We went to the finals, but it was the bubble. And so our fans, I mean, you guys played in the South teams, like, this is what you need. And, and the, like going to Western Conference final, no matter what happens, this is going to help us for minimally five years for our business. It'll help grow the game. It'll, you know, keep our ticket prices at, at, at where they should be, especially because Texas, you know, economically is just doing really well. A lot of businesses are moving here and never mind the business that are crushing it. And so, you know, for me, I was drafted in 1994. Like I'm, I am that old. So <laughs> the first real year, year of the league, I was, you know, been a Dallas star, turned pro in 98 after Michigan. It was around for two cup runs. And so I've kind of seen a lot in this organization play for 10 years with, with you know, Moro and Letman and, you know, Zuboff from almost all that, uh, you know, Madonna, who is, you know, our legend around here. So to see it kind of come full circle to work with Brad on the business side and, and really get a chance to make a big difference in the community. Um, it was something I was always proud of or, Something I wanted to do during my playing days was just innate in me and to continue to do it, really set the policy, uh, have a big difference in how the growth of this foundation goes. And, and really, uh, you know, in a city this big with this much tenure and history and, and hockey not being, you know, we're going into our 30th season, most people, you know, don't know the game or didn't grow up with it. And so when we get to go and to make a big difference in South Dallas, for example, with the school, called St. Phillips, uh, there's families and there's companies and trusts that are around that, you know, this is their end for our organization. And so it's, uh, they've really seen the value through COVID of, of what we're doing, the hard work we're, we're doing within the community, the players enjoy it. So um, I argue with this, I argue with one security guy down at American Airlines Center that who's got more tenure in this company. And uh, he might have me by a few months, but <laughs> it's, it's pretty darn close. I mean, I've been around for a lot, you know, as a drafty black ace, player bum on the way out <laughs> working in the front office so uh um you know i'll love the dallas stars even if i wasn't working for them they've given me every opportunity to do a lot of things and they continue to do that and most importantly I get to live here in this great city you guys have visited yeah. dallas is an awesome place and uh, so i feel pretty fortunate on that end yeah, well, you're talking to a couple suitcases here, Turks. We didn't get to, we didn't get to play as long as one place as you. But when we retired, you know, like I had a, I had an adjustment period that Updog did, and and this thing kind of just came together for us, Mister Curfew. But when you retired, like you said, you had a great career. Did you know what you wanted to do right away? Like obviously, you had roots in Dallas, like you said. But did you know you wanted to work for the team? Did you want to help out with the alumni? Like, what was your transition like? Well, I mean, you guys have talked about it. You know, you really enjoy listening to your guys' stuff. That you know, transitions hard. I don't care who you are, you know, you got a degree from college or, you know, start a business or have a plan or your family's got something, or you just go back home and sit back on the farm or whatever you came from. Like, it doesn't matter. It's tough. And, uh, you know, I wasn't oblivious or immune to that, to that tough period of time. And, and I, I knew I wanted to do something. I, I said a really good group of people around me at university of Michigan, uh, teammates or just, classmates that were successful or they're out there in the business world doing stuff. And I always look forward to retirement, not saying I wanted to retire because playing the NHL is as amazing <laughs> as you guys get to talk about all the time. Uh, but it was inevitable, right? You had to do it. And so what were you going to do? I, I was doing TV at the beginning. And so that kind of helped me stay connected to the game, but living in Dallas, it wasn't, uh, 
a full-time deal has just helped me through my transition a little bit. Uh, did a couple things that were not hockey related, didn't really work out. And then, uh, you know, just came back as like an alumni guy. Brad Alberts, our CEO, was like ready to come in full-time. And then he'd always preface it by saying, you can't F off for eight weeks in the summertime if you're, if you're full-time. <laughs> yeah. you're full-time. <laughs> and uh, so it took me three years to commit once I knew he was the boss to be and, and the changes he was making was for the better uh, that I'd love to be part of it. And so what he's doing here and what we got is pretty special. Um, obviously on the ice now is, you know, with our team, but uh, the build up to it's been pretty fantastic. It just makes you appreciate it that much more. And you guys know runs are, runs are tough when you find that team and get on it. And um, so we're, Trying to maximize it. I'd love to see us uh, clip these guys get four more, but uh, that transition was hard, man. And uh, the only people that really know it are other athletes or, or, or guys in the military and gals in the military that have, you know, went on tours and put a lot of time in. And uh, the only people that I found that really resonated because uh, it's tough and most wives don't resonate with it either, right? They're just like, hey, you know, my wife was like, hey, get over it, pal. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. But yeah, totally. The, the thing don't stop, right? And so, uh, yeah. you know, it was, it's harder than people think. And so yeah. uh, it's it's always good to hang around the boys because, you know, we get it, right? Yeah. So we have alumni group here. Gerald Diddick oversees it. And that's the main point of it is just to make sure when the guys are done and they want to stay there, which is becoming more commonplace, that um, they have somebody to talk to and we get to hang around and, and just so they know it. So uh, it's this place has been a lot of fun. Is there a is there something you rely on from your playing days that helps you bridge that gap between like business and and like hockey still like where you're like, you know, now that you're in business and you sit in meetings, you're like, you know what? I've been here before. Fucking remember that time the power play sucked for fucking 10 <laughs> games. and We had to sit down and get together and rely on relationships or go have a beer or whatever. Have have you found like there's something you rely on from your goaltending days that helps you just like assess business? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, every day. And I think it's growing more and more. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to get in business. Say, hockey, the hockey's over. Now what? Right. But the correlation between I call winning and then losing, getting over it, getting ready to play, going on a three game trip, five game trip, we're getting ready for the playoffs, whatever it is, that mindset certainly translates all, all the time. Um, you know, the thing I rely on more is probably being pretty scared when I was young to getting a contract to be like, I, I was of the mentality, look at my wife and be like, Hey, we got to earn the next one. Right. I'm not, we're not happy. We didn't win the lottery or anything. It's like, let's, you know, Mr. Hicks, our owner then, or, or Doug Armstrong, our GM is like, Hey, they believe in us. Let's, let's go deliver. Yeah. And so that kind of mindset now uh, translates. And then uh, a lot of it too, from my thirties, uh, more when I was leaders of the team, to be like, okay, you know, what did we do that we're that help us be successful? And and just just knowing, you know, going out. Like Brendan and I really pride ourselves at knowing all about our teammates, you know. And and people can't fathom, right? That we got guys from all around the world. Some a lot of them, it's not their first language. And so getting to know your teammates as best you can will always help the success part of it out. And so, you know, my small staff here, other VPs. I mean. I get to know them as, as, as quick and as, uh, as much as possible because when you, when you know somebody, you, you care. Yep. And the, the, the difference is though, you know, there'll never be a locker room. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so the uh, shenanigans and the, the dialogue, uh, those things that, yeah. we, that we're thinking of, like you got to, you got to curb a lot of that. Yeah. So, uh, 
a lot of it had to stop. But the, the similarities, the correlation to success and failures and learning from your mistakes, that stuff goes a long way. And just knowing everybody uh, and understanding them because, you know, as we know now with just mental health and or just better business acumen, it's like, hey, you don't, you, you don't know what somebody else is going through. You don't know if somebody's having a bad day and you're not going to go around here and shit on somebody because they didn't do their job. It's like, all right, let's, let's actually talk about it. I mean, the shit on it all the time, you got to bring it up and hold people accountable. But for the most part, it's like, all right, you know, and, and trying to fake empathy is not who I am. I, I, I try to have it when I can, but I, you know, I wasn't a 22 year old salesperson or I didn't have three jobs or come from a different city. And, you know, I played hockey. So I just, you know, just communication has been paramount. And as a, as a goalie and a defenseman, Obi, as you know, if you, the more you talk on the ice, you know, more I saved you. I think I'm probably the harder thing that we worked on other than me just playing the puck very effectively for my D-man is that I was talking to them all the time. And, and you know, that just helps, right? Just someone's coming on, you're not coming on you, and you just get blasting the boards. Of course, I'd go out there and do it myself because no one was able to hit me, and I'd have Uppy over there chirp me all the time. I'm like, I'm going to get you. Like, no, you're not. You're not going to touch me. You don't touch anybody else on the ice. We got you, buddy. Uh, but, you know, just so on the ice, off the ice, all that stuff, building the team. Certainly today, um, I mean, I, I, I use it way more than I ever thought I would. And, and why wouldn't we, man? We yeah. play it at a high level. And uh, and we've all had way more losses uh, in the playoffs than we have win because I yeah. don't know too many people that have won four or five cups in a row. And uh, it's, a, it's a tough game. But, man, we learn a lot. And, and you just got to get over it too, yeah. right? You know, it's like it's not like to suck it up people, but <clears throat> talk about it and move on. So it's I, I use it every day. I would say it was hard to make the NHL, but fuck, business is harder, Turks. I'm not going to lie. You're like, at, least, at least in hockey, you're like, hey, O'Brien, you were shit. You're not playing tonight. Okay, thanks, coach. I'll go up here and get a workout in. Like, business, like, we'd have a conversation. I'm like, fuck up. That went great. I think that sponsor's all in 100%. Week goes by. 10 days go by. You're like, what's going on? Like, you just, it, it takes a while to learn what it is mm-hmm. to, and, and to run a business. And, and, and Oppie's helped me tremendously with the curfew. But it's like starting over. Like, yeah, we can use what we learn, Turks. From hockey, but it's kind of like starting over again to a certain extent. <laughs> it's, it's well, it, it, it is. You retired. Yeah. You retired, right? Yeah. And it's a new. It's a new business. You know, we started a beer company. I don't know shit about brewing beers, selling beer distribution. Then it's like, oh yeah, you got to be fiscally responsible. And and you know, it, it, when you really think about it, why why we play in the NHL or why I think most guys do is because you can get over it. Yeah, you have the talent, but when you get to the league, you're like, man, that that guy's brain dead, or yeah. you know, they yeah. they they just they're hurt all the time and you know you wait for your opportunity and we don't we don't think of ourselves as like you know all the we think less of our mistakes and and things that bruised us to get along the way but if you really think about it there's so much times that you just like the best part of you is like being able to pick yourself up or when you didn't play much that night or you know you got benched or you know i i got pulled in that it's like okay well I got over it pretty quick or else I was on the bench a lot longer. Yeah. And I mean, that's a talent all in itself. Right. And that's the beauty of being an athlete. Yeah. You, we probably had a lot of fake confidence going out, uh, you know, off and on the ice, uh, walking around, but, uh, that, that was earned. And so what you guys are doing and what we're all doing in the business world, you got to earn it again. And it is like starting over, but, uh, having that mentality already at this age, you know, when you get into your thirties, forties and some of our, you know, colleagues that are in their fifties and doing well in the business world. I mean, you, you got to cut your teeth and, and, and buddy, your nose as much. And, um, it's just, it's, I think it's a little bit different. It's, it is like starting over, but because we have the experience that we had, it's to me, it's not, um, we just have to understand that sooner than later. 
We earned the right back then, too, to walk around our office with no towel on. <laughs> well, well, are, most of us wore a towel besides yeah, you. Things yeah. are a little different now. It's like the rule at Preston Trails there. Uh, yeah, the only rule here is just wear a buffet. Through the buffet yeah. line, just make sure you got a towel on. I, I would start the season with one towel on, and then as I got fatter, Turks, I'd go with the two towels over the shoulder, eh? Especially if the coach is walking by. Uh, Give me another towel there. Uh, that was a hand towel, Manetti. <laughs> Hey, uh, Turks, let, let's talk about this Dallas Scars team. And, and I wanted to ask you, the perfect guy to ask, obviously, uh, Ottinger, um, just what you think about him. To me, as an ex-defenseman, his bounce-back ability, uh, I know they lost two in a row in Vegas, but anyways, before that, his ability to bounce back, like to me, for a goalie, that's got to be like one of the nicest things that you know you can bounce back after a loss. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. The kids got it all. You know, you know what I've been saying, though, like on the radio stations and – and I've been saying this for a year now or more is like the kids, the kids six foot five. He's, now he's 24 years old, barely and signed a nice contract, a super nice guy. It's like, and, he, and he's got a nice golf swing to say that. Yeah. He, he loves golf golfing. Yeah. Dri- drives a nice car. So I hate him, you know, <laughs> that's it. it but it's, it, all those things are true. Other than the fact that I'm a big fan uh, of the kid his bounce back ability is good. And this is the best way I can, this is the best um, thing I could say about the kid is that when you watch him play, he's, he's got the size and, and he's pretty calm in the net and he makes big saves and he, and he comes back after a tough loss. And so you don't worry about him. And then I just sitting there watching the game. He gives me confidence, right? And so if he gives me confidence, what does that do for the defenseman, do for his teammates and for his coaches? And uh, you know, you guys play with a lot of different goalies, right? And, when you have confidence in the guy back there, it's one last thing to think about. And uh, that's where we, we look like we got a long runway with this kid and hopefully there's some championship runs uh, and hopefully he's, you know, next guy to put his name on the cup. But uh, we got, we got a little work to do right now, but uh, he's good. And I think he's, there's a bunch of things he could still learn and get better at, but man, he looks pretty, pretty solid. And that's the most night for us. You talk about drives a nice car. I, I got to say the Dallas Stars parking lot through my NHL <laughs> yeah. career, Turks. I would put the Anaheim Ducks up there, maybe the Florida Panthers, but the Dallas Stars, I'd come off the bus and I'd be like, holy fuck, look at that. They're like, that was a National League. Uh, Ribeiro. Yeah. Yeah. Ribeiro. I forgot you played with Ribby. Oh, man. Yeah. Zuby. Zuby. Zuby, nice yeah. Madonna. Couldn't help himself. Yeah. Hatch would have drove a big pickup, though. Eh? Hatch wasn't driving a. Uh, was no, he, he, dri- drove, he, drove, he drove a pretty simple car. Yeah. He wasn't. He didn't. Yeah. Once in a while, he had a nice He car. had a Hummer I, in I, Philly with me, actually. He had a Hummer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He had a Hummer. I had free cars my whole career. I was a spoiled little goalie. Um, <laughs> first, first free car I ever got was a 911 convertible. <laughs> Boys are like, Virgin. I was like, they gave it to me. Idiot. <laughs> Pile in the back. <laughs> Morrow couldn't fit in the back. He had a right jacket, so he had that going for him. That's great. Um, I wanted to ask you, you've obviously been through in your time in Dallas a lot of great leaders. Um, watching Jamie Ben kind of bounce back and have the season he's doing and, and leading these guys and getting to know Ben when I was there for training camp. Talk about like, you know, him and Segs and just this push that they're doing right now, knowing that they're as close as they've ever been again. Um, and just what you see out of those guys on the daily. Well, Benner, Benner's been, I mean, he's, he's close to a generational player because yeah. he's just so unique and, and uh, certainly in his prime, he can dominate. We saw at the Olympics actually how much he can help a team when, when, you know, you don't think he's the best player, you know, in the country or, 
you know, got to be a third, fourth liner to make a difference. Um, the Art Ross, Art Ross that he that he won was was awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, piling those goals at the end. But this, all this guy wants to do is win. He's tough. He does everything. He takes faceoffs. He's he's really talented. I just think he's he's got his head up just as much as anybody does in the league. And he, the way he can handle the puck for for bigger guys, impressive. Uh, but most importantly, he cares. You know, he he, he learned a lot from Morrow of what to do in the locker room, and that's just. He just wants to play hockey. He wants to win. And uh, he knows being a leader amongst men is just comes uh, innately to him. Having Pavelski here really helps him because Joe's a little more, has got, you know, a little more experience. And most importantly, he's, he's a really solid dude. And he'll, he'll talk to the young guys and, and a little little higher communicator verbally. Uh, you know, Sagi's Sagi's been there, you know. He's, yeah. he's getting older. You always think Tyler Sagan's young because he's a heartthrob, but uh, you know, when, when Pavs, when the Pavs went out, step in there and popping some goals in was, uh, was huge. And you can't have a playoff run without depth scoring, you know, and whether Stegi's on the first line or the third, he's out there shooting pucks. So, you know, we need him, but we got an amazing first line and, um, contractually moving forward, you know, with Rupe Hintz signing the deal and Robertson and even Miro too. Uh, we, we look good for the future. We got a good pipeline of guys coming, but, uh, you know, I think it all, when you, when you go to the playoffs, if you have a guy like Jamie Ben in your team, you feel pretty darn good about yourself. And, and, uh, he's playing with a 19 year old or now 20 year old Wyatt Johnson, and they just look like they're having fun out there. So almost got like grandpa, dad and kid out there on, uh, on that line. These guys, uh, it's, it's, it's been fun to watch and watch the growth of these guys. And we got a great mix of old and, and young, uh, in our locker room. Yeah, and just touched on a second. Obviously, Pavelski, you know, nobody wanted to see him get hit like that in the first round with Dumba. I'm glad he came back. The four goals was unbelievable. But I noticed one thing when Pavelski went out, Sagan kind of just took his place in front of the net. Like, is that something that he's learned from Pavelski? Go to the front of the net, tip pucks after practice. Because I think that's something Segs has added to his game since Pavelski's been there. Yeah. Um, not everybody could tip it like Joe. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Yeah, he's it's he's amazing. He would have been your nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was. I, I yeah. had to play against him. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got Jumbo Joe on the wall, then you got this guy in front. I got Marlo standing over there. I got yeah. Let's see, <laughs> was floating around. I think we had uh, who was on D. Campbell, Soupy was there for a little bit. So we had some good runs against San Jose. We're in the same division, you know. And um, damn, the boiler, he clapper coming down the middle. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think you know it's. You watch Joe every day, and then especially as an older guy, I mean, almost pushing forty, to go stand in front of the net isn't easy. You know, yeah, you might have to come in and out because you just can't stand there and get clobbered. But you know, find those little soft spots where if you, you kind of got to think of where that puck's going, and then get in there and put your stick in there, whether it's a high tip or go back door, and you know, get the Crosby goals of the world. Like you watch guys like Joe because they're just so smart. Like why wouldn't you want to follow these guys around and do what they were doing? And it works for you. You might not tip it as well as them, but tipping pucks for goalies like me, probably all of us, like it's just not fun because you don't know where that rebound's going, and uh, you know it's kind of scatterbrained after that. And those 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 moments don't fit well with us, and so that's why you need good defensemen to block people out, like you, Obi. <laughs> um, Obi, you're gonna love this. Yeah. Don Cherry once proclaimed Marty Turco as the smartest goalie in the NHL. Wow. He's a big Hey, and you can tell now. Look, he's all buttoned up. Yeah. He, he knows the game. He sees Grape's it well. Seen it. Yeah, yeah. Grape seen it. This is, by the way, Obi's the biggest Don Cherry fan on the planet. <laughs> so I mean, I knew I knew you'd like that yeah, one. That I nice. knew you'd like that one. Yeah, smartest smartest guy. I think I heard that Don Cherry. I think I have to pay him for something for that. <laughs> after that 
I was the, I was I was the saddest one to see him go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He he said that about me, and it was really about the way I played the puck and the way I played my rebounds and uh, work with my defenseman. And you know we weren't doing IQ tests back then, but that was kind of <laughs> that's why he said it to me when I was you know in my prime and. And I, I run with it, you know. Now, when you get when you get when you get so long out of the league, you're like, any of the good things someone said about you, you take it, and you run with it. So uh, I use that every now and then. Turks, before we get playing the, playing the puck, I wanted to ask you. Uh, you played in one against Anaheim, right? You played in the four overtime game. Is that correct? Or did you play in the other one? Five. Five overtime, and did you play the one in Vancouver too, or just, was that you as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just talk. Up, up Talk us through, because I was watching it the other night thinking, like, I couldn't imagine. I think I played double overtime maybe once or twice, but talk me through it from a goalie's perspective. Like, what's that like? Oh, well, <laughs> I will say I was in good shape back then, so that was uh, that was helpful. Um, and the way I looked at it was I wasn't playing time. I was playing the other guy at the other end. And I knew from the gym and on the bike and practice that uh, I had pretty good stamina. And at least between the years, I'm like, I could fake this thing for a long time. <laughs> uh, but they were hard after. So, yeah, the first one was 03. Peter Sakura scored on me in the fifth overtime. And I took an IV. I took an IV after all, in all three of those games after the third period, third overtime. And after that, uh, you know, seven, it got scored on by the, by the Sedins, you know, maybe 15 minutes into that period. And I felt great. I remember I peed like four times before I left the rink that night. I'm like, what a waste, you know, but I felt awesome. <laughs> and then finally the coolest one would do it at home. We played, you know, here at San Jose and Morrow scored, uh, you know, quadruple overtime to win oh, the series yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, was, it was crazy. It was awesome. Um, but, you know, don't recommend it for most people unless you really want to cut some water weight. Um, it's, <laughs> it's hard though, but everybody's in the same boat, you know, it's, that's the way I always looked at it. It's like, man, we're not playing father time. We're playing them. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I know what my guys do in the locker room and let's, my job is to keep it out. I was the first two, right. We lost in five. And then years mm-hmm. later, we lost in game one against Vancouver and four. And we got the quadruple overtime again. I was like, if we don't score, man, I'm going to kill somebody. Like yeah. you guys can't score. <laughs> we're going on like 13 periods here. And, uh, I need a hero, but I got one and just turned out to be my best friend moral. Turks is, I said, I'll be like, is there a difference between it happening in game one and it happening to maybe a game six or seven? Like if it's game one and we're three overtimes deep, instead of the boys sitting on their heels, I'd be like, fellas, someone let's jump. go get this. Like, you know what? Like, don't don't throw a backhand, no, no looker through the slot here, but like get down the walls. You know, let's let's try to win this game. Let's not sit back. Now, if it's game seven, I may be like, fellas, like, let's just keep flipping out. Is there a difference or not really? Well, I'm 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 just trying to do my thing, right? I'm in the zone, so yeah probably a better question for Ford. I'm sure up would be like, yeah, let's go score goals. I want to be the hero. Yeah. Uh, but in that series in 07, I think I, I almost sure our second line might've played more minutes than anybody else, you know, than Ribeiro's line or Madonna's line. And it was Halpern, uh, Yo Wonquist, Henrik's brother. And uh, uh, who else is on that line? I think Stu Barnes, Stu Barnes. And oh, because the Sedins played so much, those guys never got tired. Um, they were out there all the time checking them. Plus, Dave Tippett was our coach. We we're a very defensive team. And so I would say, you know, there's a reason why going four overtimes there wasn't 100 shots because we both were pretty defensive teams. But, um, you know, it, still, you get the overtime. You don't want to make that mistake. And, and 
you know, we, we, we played pretty tight hockey back then. So we, we weren't pushing the envelope by any means, but, uh, I know, I know Mora was cherry picking a few yeah, times. I, yeah. I know I'm talking about cherry picking for oh, sure. I'm talking No, but when Marty looks at me and he's like, I fucking got this. Someone well, fucking got Turks is in your goalie. You're That's for sure I mean. going, you know, fucking yeah. right. Like, Hey boys, he's, he's on here. I'm fucking jumping the zone. <laughs> Someone hit me. Until it hits your skate, goes the other way for a three on two. I'll talk it back. Fucking guy. Hey Turks, do you, do you think it's, do you think it's a good thing for the NHL to have those long marathon games? Or is there any, like, I don't know. Was that a good look the other night for the league? Or did you think it was kind of like, all right, uncle here, boys, let's, let's get her over with. Uh, probably uncle. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, I just remember years ago. This is what I always remember. We were, I was watching a, a long overtime game and it was on a Saturday in May. And I think the Preakness was coming up and, you know, they, we had to switch the game to go to the Preakness. And you're like, what? Like, yeah a third triple overtime game and, and they had to go to a different channel and nobody wants that. And, you know, after watching Forsberg score in like 92 or three in the Olympics and watching many Olympics and world juniors, like, and now we have shootouts in our league. I'm like, I promise you, and even in the regular season, it's two, one, it's two, two at the end of a game. And they think in shootouts, there's possibility coming. No one's leaving. Cause you know, there's a definitive end to it. And I'm not even saying I'm pushing towards it. Cause it's, it's statistically, it's pretty rare. Even though I at one point played three of those eight long <laughs> games in the history of the NHL, <laughs> uh, I was like, well, you know, I, I was I'm the one saying, Uncle, uh, I, I had no problem doing it. It was fun. People talk about it all the time. It's it's good, but uh, in terms of TV and entertainment value, I don't know. Sometimes you just gotta kind of call it when you see it, and uh, you know, our fans, they, you know, they got three four hours in them. Hardcore's got more, but if if we could find out a good way, a good solution for everybody, I'd be all for it. It's like when they put the prickness on, you're like, fuck, we better pick a horse here, boys. Who you, who you, who you like? Who you Pause got? the game. I here. got the Pause 13 the on the rail there, boys. <laughs> uh, Marty, I had a chance to play in, uh, in a game seven in that building there, American Airlines, back in, I think, 2016. The fans... I mean, we kind of kept them quiet that game. I think we got them 6-1 six, six or something. It was Anyway, the fans... And the atmosphere in that building are great. Like, it's one of the loudest buildings. How, like... And the ice girls. What do you expect in the night? I know it's game... And, uh, oh, <laughs> what a tunnel. By the way, if that's not the best tunnel coming out with them on your right and Billy Quinn on your yeah, left, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah. it is. Quinn, how you doing there? Hold on a second. Hold on, bud. Let's come out there. <laughs> uh, uh, talk about the fans. Like, are they... What's the atmosphere going to be like for the Western Conference Finals tonight? Uh, we are... We're still fortunate to have you know, a long standing core fan base, but that's just grown exponentially. And, and, you know, most people don't realize, you know, we own operate 16 sheets of ice around here for many years, about to be 26 here, the next couple that um, our fans get it, you know, and, and, yeah. and as I say, my neighborhood, for example, the 20 closest houses, I bet you only three of them are actually from Texas. And all those people that migrate here, you know, even the ones from California, they've been around hockey and they get it. They just, they know it's great live. And so our, our building's packed. Uh, we got great fans. They love to have cocktails and they get right into it. And, uh, we, we are, are, you know, we put on a really good show as well. And we've always, always have. And so we're, you know, we, we get it. You know, people want some entertainment. We also know core, core fan wants to just, you know, watch and listen to hockey and have, have some good music while we're doing it. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not even shocked anymore because I've been around it for so long, how great our fan base is. And, and this is why this, this, these runs like this are so important, not for our, our current fan base that's paying the bills, but for that next wave of, of fans or that 25-year-old that's on his way 
of her way to be in a, a company owner or be an executive where they start spending the money. They're like, you know, I want to spend it right here at American Airlines Center because the Dallas Stars, we do, we treat everybody as well as we can. And we learn every year. We do great stuff in the community. You want to be associated with a, with a good brand. And, and then we have a good product on the ice. I mean, it's, it's tough. You guys know 32 yeah. teams, only 16 make it. Um, you just, I mean, you look at Florida, right? The last team they get in the playoffs, but you, you just got to make the most of it. And so for us and our fan base, it's a wonderful time. They're going to show up and they'll be, they are, they're really loud. We put on a really fun show, but our fans, uh, they're usually not on time during the regular season, but come playoffs, they're on time. And uh, tonight will be spectacular. It is a great building to play in, and, and good thing there's bright lights in there because there were some nights where I was kind of like, okay, here we go, right here, here we go, here, boys. But um, Turks, you talk about hockey live, and, and and it's we can all agree it's the best sport live, and we often talk about on missing curfew on TV. Is there any way that like what do you think about it on TV? Is there any way we can make it better? I know it's a loaded question, but like I think TNT is doing a great job, but still I don't think we can show it how good it really is on TV, eh? I know. Yeah. I know. Like, sometimes you can see the difference. Uh, it's harder now between the Canadian broadcast and the U.S. The U.S. camera guys are getting used to it. Uh, but every once in a while, you just see it. They follow the play a little bit better. And then and then the number one thing I hear, I mean, you guys are slightly old enough, but when you had the Fox tracks back then, you start to see a little bit of that nuances now. I'm, I'm not a fan of it. And, and the number one complaint is people say, oh, I can't see that puck on TV. And I'm like, well, I got 85 inches. I can see it just straight. <laughs> so, like, kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. Should have worked um, a little harder, bud. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but I'm like, why Why are you watching the puck? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like in baseball, are you staring at the ball? Or basketball, are you, you watching the three go up in the air? Good point. You're like, you know, you're watching the players. You're not even watching the football all the time. Like, yeah. you're not watching the running back. You're watching where the linebackers are and, and whoever's collapsing down. And, and anyway, the, the, the battle that's going on while the ball is in the air. I'm like, don't watch it. If you, if you want to know where the puck is, watch the goalie. He, he, he'll know where it's at, yeah. or he should at least. That's his job. I said, there's so many nuances <laughs> going in the game. Just keep an eye on it. And the more you watch it, the more you get used to it. I mean, we grew up playing, so we, you know, obviously we have a clue. But um, I really, I, I would hope that we could put some volume on our players. I know our brass yeah. around the league is, is, you know, we our interviews are dry. You know, the mics on the bench are like painful. They don't say anything. I'm like, just if we could go do like NFL films where in four days and everybody gets to sign off on it and say what we really say in the locker room. And if there's a few things you're like, oh, I don't want that on TV, then Nick's an ad. But if people understood how dynamic, how fun, how funny, how intense even the locker rooms are at times, um, and really show the guys that they, that I think that would go a long way. And that, and then, then it's just people know, know it. They're like, okay, maybe I have an idea what they're saying in the locker room right now. Yeah. I want to watch the game, but our game is, you know, it's, it's gotten pretty tight. So we're, you know, two hours and change product. People could stomach that. They just need a more investment. That's all. It's not watching the puck. It's just getting to know the players a little bit better. And if we could take the little, little dryness off. Right. And, you know, just the cliched lines is great because yeah, yeah. our game's so competitive. If, if we could do that, that would have increased our TV, Ability and now having ESPN TNT doing it, I think that's going to go a long way. Being competitive and uh, having a little broader broader audience to, to to pull from. Yeah, that's well said. I agree with that. Turks, obviously, you know the way you played the puck was was legendary. I got to ask you about my boy Mike Smith. I played junior with Smitty in Kingston. Then he goes to Dallas. Then we get traded to Tampa for the in the Richards deal. And the way he played the puck, I was just like, wow, you're 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 like Turks. So just what he meant to you, I know what you meant to him, but how much you helped Smitty. Well, yeah, he he lived with me for two years, um, his first two years with us. 
And um, I was like, dude, I got three kids, full fridge, <laughs> and I wake you up every morning. I'm up, so and you know, Smitty, I could have used you waking me up, Turks. I could have used you waking me up. Heck of an athlete. Yeah, he's a great dude. I love him to death. Had to wrestle with him every now and then in hotel rooms or uh, at the college in the summer. But uh, he's even a dear friend, and it was an honor to be at his wedding with um, you know him and Brigitte. I've been asking him. We're the only non-families uh, members there, so. Uh, you know, Samini and I got a great rapport, and uh, I miss seeing him all the time. But uh, he was—he was fun, big goofball. We hit it off right away, man. It was—it was a blast. Yeah, he is a great guy. And when did you learn how to to play the puck like you did? I guess I should have asked you that first. Was that that Michigan, or when did you do the top handover? Like, how did that all come? Was about? it Eddie the Eagle? No, no, it was traditional. I was—I <laughs> yeah. was the first one. No one taught me how to do yeah. it. I did—I really did it by accident. And um, you know, you guys have two hands on the stick. We got like one hand and a thirteen and a half degree live stick and a catching glove. And so you, you know, you guys know when you get a puck rimmed hard on your backhand, you're taking it off your toe. And so I was getting mad one day. I was screwing up in practice because I was just, it kept going off my toe and I was chasing it. So I turned my hand over just to jam it in the boards. And then once we introduced four checkers, uh, I didn't have time to flip my backhand over. And so I passed it to the defense and I was like, bing, light bulb went off. And not only it went from a, a straight left arm for me, my catch club was left, went to a bent arm with a more athletic position. And so I had a flatter sauce. I had a more accurate sauce. I had a wider dispersion rate of where I could pass the puck. And then just as important, I had, I can actually rim it hard on my backhand on the glass. Yeah. And so I could flip it over, even little dump sauce passes over up his stick when he was coming in. Thought he had me. Like, sorry, sorry. Well, there it sorry. Goes. Back to the bench. Change. I might slash you on my way by. Take two. There's a few guys that did, and you were you were not one of them. I remember. He's like, oh, here comes Upshaw. Okay, he thinks he's got me. A little backhand sauce over the twig. <laughs> Hey, Turks, I, I wanted to ask you, though, and Smitty would say this because we had Torts in Tampa, and Torts loves Smitty, and he was okay with turning one over, but you would hear Smitty say, like, I, if I come out and turn one over, it doesn't stop me from going back out there again. Like, you had that mentality, too. I'm not saying you turn him over all the time, but if you did, that wasn't in your mind, right? You're like, I'm going to go out there and play that puck again. Well, you know, we, we, we hate letting down the guys. I mean, we love, you know, making the save, giving us a chance to win, and, and that, that's like, I mean, that's just as bad as letting a winner from the blue line. Yeah. Um, but having Dave Tippett here, uh, any off, we would count the touches. And after games, I'd be like, oh, my, you know, you're 22 touches tonight. And when you go for a week straight and not make a mistake, and not saying it was all pretty, you know, it wasn't all perfectly flat passes on the tape. Um, but when you do finally get to make a mistake, we were lucky enough to know it outweighed the positives way outweighed the negative. Yeah, sure. And having the confidence from the coaches and, and, and my defense went fight for us too. They'd be like, listen, my shoulders feel great. Um, we yeah. spend, we, our, our, this is our analytics were at the time. I was like, okay, wait, we spend less time in our zone, more time in their zone. It works. All right, let's keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. And even though I would cough it up, it'd be in the corner or, you know, up at the top of circles and whiff on it now and then it, it was, it just served us too good. And, uh, you know, we had teams like Edmonton that never would change. They would always two two man four check, and we would just roast them to death. And it was like so much fun to play those guys. <laughs> um, but you know, we just wouldn't change. But we worked we worked our butts off on it. You know, it wasn't just innate ability. It was hard work. You know, I practiced it every day, but with them, so they knew what I was doing. And I mean, I knew who was on the ice. I knew what their voices sounded like, and I knew where if they liked the on the front end, back end. I mean, Zuboff, I could I could 
chunk of that of anywhere. He'd always pick it up and we, we were gone out the zone. <laughs> didn't matter. I said to get it in his area in the vicinity of Zuby. Uh, Hatcher was better at it than, you know, than people give him credit for, but uh, it was, it was a big part of my career. Um, I was just talking to a young goalie the other day. He had no clue that I was the first one to do it. And, uh, I was like, I felt like grandfather, but I called myself a pioneer at the time. <laughs> and, uh, and, but now every goalie in the world does it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's an odd exception of like Anton, you know, Dobie might still be old school, but, uh, <laughs> it's cool to watch guys do it, you know? Yeah. But not uh, Russian. Dolby, yeah, and you know, you're guy. doing something right when the other team before the game has like, you know, circle around your name saying, keep the fucking puck away from Turks. Yeah. You're you like, that's I mean? easier said than fucking It's like dump it in Ovi's corner, keep it away from Turks. And then, yeah, the four check. You know, well, check this shit out. Yeah, and the reason it was great, and, and I got it from Smitty, is it was communication. As soon as Smitty come out, us 2D would go to the corner, and let's say the up-dog's forecheck, and if he goes to – and then you would just hit the winger, and we're gone. Like, there were some nights in Tampa where I'm like, Smitty, I haven't even done a breakout pass, so let me have one here, fella. Torch <laughs> yeah. is about to just send me down maybe here because it was just, boom, center or winger, gone. Nah, you know yeah. the D-man. Yeah. If you're not noticed, that's the best thing. Yeah. That's the best compliment you can get. I um, should have learned more from that. Uh, yeah, we, we had a lot of good nights. I mean, as soon as you have a goalie, you can play the puck and skate, which was both Samidi and I, that, you know, it, 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 you just, you're making an odd man rush, but in your own zone. And so they have to choose. The, the worst teams, you know, for me to play against, the ones that just sat back and they wouldn't come in, I just set it up and, you know, we'd have to blow through the neutral zone. So as things got a little tighter and some teams just got a little less efficient, but you always want to have a four charger. So especially if you think you got it, you make a nice good dump and stop in the corner well, you rim it hard and you think it's going over there, then, you know, those guys are crashing. If I can knock one down or, you know, uh, beat a guy to the puck, then, you know, just, just even change in sides, uh, you know, really helped us. But if you could start moving it up, you know, the odd time to the center or to the wings and then guys like Steve Odd and even Morrow and Ribeiro, these guys are flying, right? I'm like, I knew they were going. So uh, if I had time, I could pick my head up and see them. I was, there was somebody that was making a mad dash to the neutral zone. So uh, it's usually better with Juvie and Sidor and those guys making the pass. But uh, there's a few guys I played with. Was, I thought it was better for me to make the pass than them. Yeah. Brad Lukowicz, one of those guys. I love Luko, but I'm, yeah. on that. I'm, no, I'm just, hey, uh, Turks, I wanted to ask you, like, obviously goals are through the roof and, and me not be, you know, we talk about how fourth lines and third lines now have so much skill, but I keep hearing Gretzky talk about it. I've heard Lundqvist talk about it. These goalies going down to the reverse C, I think it's called, or whatever. Like, is this something that you have noticed and maybe disagree with all these goalies going down nowadays, or is it just the way the position's adapted? It's the way the position the position's adapted. It's the reverse V. Reverse and, V. And, like, you know, I, I got to give them credit. Like, they said what they do will stop more pucks over time. But come this time of year, you, you, you almost can't get hot. You're at the mercy of if it hits me, it hits me. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, you know, all I ever, I mean, I don't teach guys that much, but all I would say is like, Hey, go watch Bobrovsky. Okay. Go watch Bob. His eyes are on the puck the whole time. And when you're doing these, you know, premeditated positionings, knee down and feet of the post and just always back to the post on your knees is that you're just not watching the puck and. That's my only beef with it is that sometimes you got to play the game and, and there might be, okay, now you're down and stuck, you're locked in a position. Then that puck goes three feet from your goalie stick and, and you don't have the inclination or the, you know, the wherewithal to poke check that puck. Like, like, I mean, to me, I'm like, why, like, why wouldn't you? And you got to sense the game, but maybe that's because I grew up playing forward every chance I had a chance to play with plays a forward or, you know, we were all just a lot different. And, you know, the era that I got started, like we were all so uniquely the way we played the game that, 
you know, poke checking was still a big part of it. And I, I, I wasn't going to say, Hey, I poke check four times a night. Sometimes it'd be zero. Sometimes it'd be 14, but however the play just developed and then you just reacted to it and you just guys will spin around. I was like, you know where they're going. And, but you can't do it when you're just locked in that position. So I don't know. I never learned that way. So part of me was super jealous. I know Mitty started playing back in the net when he went to Phoenix. He's like, dude, you'd love it. I'm like, I'd love it, but I'm six V dude. I'm not six. V4, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like I gotta, I gotta take the blue, you know, I gotta be, be fast and a little more athletic, my man. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> the sentiment, but yeah, I don't know. They just get locked in there and, and the, the stats are on their sides, but you know, one time you need to save, you got to make it in my opinion. Last one for me, Turks. We yeah. talk about style a lot here on, on Mr. Curfew. You had fucking great style, yeah, Turks. Look, like, look at these gold there. pants here. I like the old black jerseys, but did, did you take pride in, in style? Did it come natural to you? And maybe nowadays, is there anyone that reminds you of yourself out there style-wise? Uh, yeah, the number one reason I went to gold was I couldn't wear black and I couldn't wear white. And at one point, those jerseys, which was a whole other story, a big screw-up by our, our new uh, jersey maker was that we had no green. I was wearing green pads and we had no green in our black jerseys other than a little star on the shoulder. Yeah. I look like an idiot. I'm wearing green pads. I look like I just got yeah. traded. And I've never <laughs> been traded in my life. And I was like, all right, I got to go somewhere. And I was like, well, I'm not wearing black, I'm not wearing white. So gold it was. And, and so, uh, you know, I did. I think even the flower might have had pads, like bright yellow pads when he was a rookie. Uh, and when I was in Michigan, I had two different colors pads. Those are, most badass setup, but they were, they're basically opposite of each other. And one was mostly maize yellow with blue piping. The other one's exact opposite. And I remember showing up at, uh, you know, start of the season with the pads and red Berenson looked at me and just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was a senior and, um, you know, won a lot of games for the guy. So he, he, he let me go. I thought that was where I was my most creative getting a great chance to work with the legend, Brian Heaton back in the day. And, but, uh, always took a little pride in it, right? You know, goalie mask. You guys seem like, you know, hockey nerds, right? And the goalie yeah. gets a mask, like half the team's over there checking it out. Yeah. So did take a lot of pride in, uh, in the equipment, but most importantly, it was, it had to build it for me. I, I couldn't have boxy stuff. I needed to skate. My, my upper body piece I wore for 10 years was tiny. Um, so that's why it got pretty mad in practice and Mora would shoot high on me all the time. Felt every <laughs> puck. Uh, but yeah, you take, you take some pride in it. It's, you know, it's, you gotta look good, feel good and doesn't, uh, doesn't differ, but performance over looks, but if you can match both of them, all the power to you. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> I wanted to just lastly talk about, uh, maybe Obes and I coming up for this golf tournament before the season starts. You mentioned it at the Grove <laughs> for me, remember? He's always yeah, looking for a golf tournament. Well, we gotta, by the way, we got to put it in here. We need a fellow trip out to Dallas. You know, if you make the finals, maybe that's that, but. Yeah. yeah, we got to set this golf the golf tournament up. Well, why, why don't you guys come here and play some more PT? And um, I remember a Blue Jack down in only two and a half hour drive, Tiger's first first course. But um, we don't have a day for the tournament yet. So you, you got you guys will know Kings of Brewing will be sponsoring it for sure. We'll have a, we'll have a lot of fun, and um, maybe we can Nancy, what's your name, Nancy. Was it Nancy Kerrigan? We got hit. Tanya Harding. Yeah, Tanya Harding. <laughs> yeah, I'll take care of more for you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. to town. Awesome. Hey, uh, what, what what's Dallas Country Club all about? Billy Quinn, he's a member there too. I've never played there yet. And, and what about Dallas National? What, which one of Dallas those two National's tracks do you great. like better? It's a nice yeah, track. Yeah, well, yeah, Dallas Country Club's short. Like they're just landlocked, even though they have probably a hundred thousand plus square foot uh, hotel. Looks like over there. 
right in the middle of Highland Park. So it's beautiful. It's a great hang. Um, but it's just a really short course and they're, they're redoing theirs in Georgia. Dallas National's shutting down to do some big redos, but that's always been our number one rated course, sometimes number one rated in the state. Uh, so we've been pretty spoiled around here to have some good ones. You know, we just had the Byron Nelson here up at Craig Ranch is a, is a pretty fun track uh, to go play. And this week alone, the senior champ, PGA championships here at a brand new course that's going to host the Ryder Cup and the PGA championship here in the next eight years, I believe. Um, so they have two golf courses and then that doesn't even count the ones over in Fort Worth and a few others sprinkled around Dallas. So we might not, we might have not had a major in a long time in many decades here in Texas period. Um, but we're going to start getting them again. And, uh, after this week, Colonials, PJs here with the Colonial, they're shutting down too for total redo. You won't be able to play until the next year. The tour guys will be the first guys playing it. Um, and Shady Oaks, you know, you know, uh, is is pretty good over in Fort Worth, so we're we're, we're littered. We've got a lot of good clubs, um, mostly mostly private stuff. But uh, you guys know a lot of people, so I like a chance. <laughs> yeah, Billy Quinn will get us America's America. Quinn, what do you get us in there, fella? <laughs> <laughs> well, Marty, we know you got a game day, yeah, so Marty, thank we appreciate you. the time, bud. And uh, you know, always a pleasure. Love to have you on again, and we'll come see you and tee it up. All right, I'm just I'm just glad you didn't talk about how many times I missed curfew because uh, <laughs> that that, we'll that saved that. me. But it's a great chat with you. Yeah. Great chat with you guys. Appreciate the time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.